0: Wow, it's about all you can say, for as what I mentioned is called by many, not just religious, the greatest short story in the history of the world. The meaning here is so profound, I've done entire missions on this one passage. This passage is called the parable of the prodigal son. Now, prodigal, few people know what that actually means. What does the word prodigal mean? It means to spend lavishly, to pour upon lavishly. And they call it the prodigal son because he spent lavishly. He spent recklessly. He just poured out everything that he had from his father on living this wayward life. Now, it could also be called, as Vinnie Flynn says, the prodigal father because of mercy. This father basically poured out mercy upon this undeserving son. So really, he's the hero, not the son. Usually seems to be that way. You always see the sons very rarely ever can be what the father is. You can look at Edison or Henry Ford, uh, so many of them. Now, when I used to read this in high school, when I was at Monroe Catholic Central and we had read this in religion class. I always sided with the older brother. I remember in class defending the older brother and I remember that and I would side with him until I went to seminary. Again, taking you back to seminary. I was talking with Brother Ruben before class. He's now um, able to go to Holy Apostles Seminary. He's talking about how beautiful the pastoral ministry is there, the prayer time. And so anyway, I saw it then from a sinner's point of view. Think about this for a minute, because I was learning about divine mercy from Father Seraphim and other great Dr. Stackpole, Vinnie Flynn, Father Kosicki. And as I'm learning all this, I'm reading this passage, and all of a sudden I start to see it from a totally different perspective. Rather than justice, I agree with that older brother. I started to see it from mercy. Now, what do I mean? All right. The older brother was like the Pharisees in a way, self-righteous Pharisees, who wanted the sinner destroyed, not saved, right? His attitude shows that his years of obedience to the father, to his father, was only out of duty. I'm doing what I have to do, not out of loving service. I want to help you. You know, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I think that Our children in today's culture, it's almost like anything that they do now, it seems to be out of obligation or they're told they have to. No, we want to instill in them, this is something out of loving service that we should want to do. Well, anyway, this older brother is kind of like the Pharisees. He followed the law, followed the law. I was obedient, but he didn't love the father. He didn't do it out of love. We don't want to do that in our faith either. All right. So his attitude is one of kind of a lack of sympathy here. Right now. He's got some points. We'll talk about this. Now, he would have never, ever given his brother a second chance. Whoa. If that happens to us, we're in trouble. How many chances? I mean, think of the number of times that we've been given a second chance by God. I just think of the pure number of times I've been to confession, sometimes sounding like a broken record. What if God would have said to me, sorry, you used up your one chance. Be in trouble. And so this brother was not going to give his brother a second chance. But the father, who was the one who was wronged, the brother wasn't wronged. It was the father who was wronged. He's the one willing to forgive. He's the one. The eldest son was not wronged at all, and he was the one unforgiving. Isn't that how it usually works? Sometimes we're like that. We're the ones who get angry when something happens to somebody else. Now, like the devil, what did this brother do? The first thing he did was be accusatory. That's how the devil works. Accusatory. The wayward son did not spend all the money. The older brother says he spent all your money. He didn't spend all this money. He only spent his share. That doesn't make it right. But this is a false accusation. He didn't spend all the money. There also is no mention of prostitutes. It did not say that that younger son spent the money on prostitutes, the brother said he did. The brother said, your son went out and spent on a prostitute. Well, how did he know? He wasn't there. The passage does not say that's what the younger brother did. So we see how the devil gets in there whenever mercy starts to come up. Whenever mercy starts to come up, the devil will slither his way in there using just slight little changes of words like he did in the garden with Adam and Eve. There is no mention of this. Now, he suspected his brother of these sins, which probably means those are what he would have done, but yet he projects them. Whoa, how often we do this, right? His point, you can't love someone who has turned their back on you. I know a lot of us who have done that, all of us at one point or another, today's 9-11. Can we love those terrorists who turn their back on us and God? Can we? Wow, that's a hard task, Lord. You know, I remember going to church, and all. they always say, how could God bring a greater good? You know, when God wants to bring a greater good out of even sometimes the evil, well, What happened, 9-11, if you remember, was on a Tuesday. The following Sunday, I was in North Carolina, I never saw the churches more packed. The church was full of a bunch of prodigal sons. Because of what happened on 9-11, a lot of people realized, I am on, I gotta change, this country's gotta change, the world's gotta change, we gotta change, and they went back to church. That church was full of a bunch of prodigal sons coming back to God, coming back to the Father. I'm gonna have Brother Reuben read in the Diary of St. Faustina about praying for our country. We should remember, but I'll never forget the priest. He asked the, the people, he said, how many people here are praying for the victims? Everybody raised their hand. He said, how many people here are praying for the families of the victims? Everybody raised their hand. And then he said, how many of you here are praying for forgiveness or our praying, he didn't say forgiveness, he said, how many here are praying for the terrorists? I think one person raised their hand, if I remember correctly, maybe two. Nobody raised their hand. They turned their back on us. Now that and our human nature is understandable. They did something horrendous, they didn't follow the natural law. The only thing that I remember about that whole sermon is what the priest said next. And it's hard for us to understand. But he said, as wrong as what they did, as horrible as what they did, as unbelievable as what they did, not following the natural law in what they did, how many of you would be willing to die for what you thought was the will of God? He said, as twisted as that sounds forgive them for they not know what they do what did brother just read in the second reading brother reuben just read this but i have been mercifully treated because i acted out of ignorance in my unbelief what did jesus who were the worst what was the worst act in human history as bad as the, the terrorists were, it was the executioners that nailed Jesus to the cross. To nail your very creator to the cross is the worst act in human history. Yet, what did Jesus say? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Brother Reuben just read, I have been treated mercifully because I acted out of ignorance. I didn't even catch this in the passage so until I was sitting in that chair, and Brother Reuben just read it. I went, Oh my. Lord, you tie this all together. The ignorance that they acted out of, are we praying that God can actually forgive them? What a great question. That's the level that the prodigal father reached. Hmm, let us ask if we can do the same, as difficult as that is. Now, the point of the brother was, you can't love someone who has turned their back on you. Is this true? Well, not for God, right? That's not God's way. God's mercy is overabundant, undeserved, and unconditional. It does not mean that it's freedom and uh, not even freedom, license to do whatever we want. It's not. That's false mercy. God's mercy is overabundant, undeserved, and unconditional. Thanks to God that it is. Alright, the son received more mercy, than, more mercy than he should have. We all agree to that. The son didn't deserve that. But here's the point. Yes, the son deserved less than that. He received more mercy than he should have. But he was fully reinstated into the family. What does God do to you every time you go into that confessional, no matter what you've done, even the worst of sins, adultery, abortion, even murder. What does God do to you? He reconciles you back to the father. Or the father reconciles you back through the sacrifice of his son. So think about this. This son did not commit murder. Yet he was reconciled back to the father. We could commit murder, not just in a physical killing of somebody, but by gossip, by killing somebody's good name. Or we could commit murder like the terrorists. God can still forgive that because no matter how great a sin, God's mercy is greater. And that's so beyond what our human mind can grasp. But thanks be to God that I can go into that confessional That when I sit down with Father Anthony, I know that God is reconciling me back. That I am forgiven no matter what I've done. That is the gift. He doesn't deserve it. No, the son doesn't deserve it. Neither do I. Neither do any of us. He doesn't deserve it. He wasted his share of the father's inheritance, yes, but the father welcomed him back with no strings attached. His slate was late, wiped clean, no conditions. That's what mercy is, all right? Such is this love of God, the mercy of God. No matter what we've done, God will forgive if you simply turn back and repent. Now, we don't know. Did the terrorists repent in that split second that God came to them at the moment of their death? Did they did they repent? We don't know. But the diary of St. Faustina says Jesus will come to every soul at three times at the moment of their death. This is paragraph 1486. And give them the opportunity to repent. Now, we hope that that happened. We don't want anyone lost. All right. St. Faustina says this is the key. All right. God will forgive us if we just turn back and repent. Repent, repent, repent. Don't try to justify yourself. I'm not trying to justify sin here. No. But we turn back and we repent. So to finish, the amazing truth here is that God is more merciful in his judgments than mankind is to each other. This is amazing. The love of God is much greater far broader than the love of man, right? It is like the sun that shines. The sun never stops shining. We choose to turn it and receive the rays or turn away from it, all right? But it never stops shining. God can forgive when man refuses to forgive. That's what we see here. sometimes he lets us fall away so we can see ourselves as who we are and realize our need for mercy, and it compels us to turn back to him. This is true. Now, the son leaving is like what we do when we commit mortal sin. He cut himself off from the father. When we choose to mortal sin, sin mortally, we cut ourselves off from our father, right? We're going to go our own way. But what happened to this son? He became hungry. Now, the meaning here is not just physically hungry. He became hungry being away from his father, like us. We need to come back to our father. And he was hungry for food. What food? The food of life. Right here we have it the Eucharist. All right, so the son came back realizing his father's love for him, and he declared his guilt. Do we do the same? The son's dramatic change from guilt and grief to forgiveness and reconciliation, that's what the sacrament's called, expresses a resurrection from the dead, a rebirth and a new life from spiritual death. That is why the father's reaction was what? Joy. And that's why this reading comes right after what we just read when the 99 sheep Where one gets lost and the shepherd goes out and find him, what does it say the shepherd reacts? With joy. There's more rejoice in that one returning than all the other righteous. We are all like this prodigal son. So how can we be treated the way he was with such beauty and love and mercy? Come home. Come back like the prodigal son did. Come to mass come to prayer, come to the Eucharist, come to confession, be a prodigal son. That's the message here. Declare your guilt. Lord, I have sinned against you and my neighbor. Please forgive me. Be reconciled back. And God's love will be greater than even the prodigal father here. He'll give you a lot more than the fattened calf. He'll give you a lot more This is what Divine Mercy Sunday is all about. Divine Mercy Sunday is God taking away that past, no matter what we've done, like the prodigal son, and he wipes it all clean. This is what we believe. This is what we've been taught. This is what we've been told. This is what St. Faustina has given to us. There is nothing greater. There is no greater short story, I say story, period, in the history of the world. There is more meaning in what we just read than any book any great reading of any classic. This is truly what we need to embrace. This lesson and this message has everything. God bless you if you read all the classics, but you'll get more right here. Praise be to God now and forever.
1: Are you a Marian helper?